The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. And welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the short list. A little mini-sode that I do in order to exercise my creative demons and uh, work on some original content and not just uh, reboots, remakes, or reimaginings. And this time, this is kind of playing with other IP, so there is some degree of a kind of reimagining that comes along with the idea that we're working with this time around. But it's so far away from the original property that it isn't really even the same concept. This episode, we're going to be doing a movie called Heroes in a Half Shell. Now, you can probably already guess that this does involve the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but not in the way that we have come to know and love them over the years via comic books, cartoons, and films. This is more of a play on the popularity of the Ninja Turtles. Now. I'm going to go ahead and just assume that this is, you know, for the sake of my creative process here, that we actually got licensing to use the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in their full glory for this film that I'm about to pitch. But if not, it's just as possible to do kind of a parody version of the Ninja Turtles where you do the like preteen mutated gecko people or something along those lines, just whatever to be a clear homage to the Ninja Turtles without having to worry about uh, licensing and the like. But for for argument's sake, we're just going to go ahead and assume that the uh, the Ninja Turtles are on the table and able to be used for our vision. So the basic gist is I grew up in the 80s and 90s obsessed with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I've always been a big fan. And... I especially loved the 1990 live action Ninja Turtles movie to the point where even as an adult, I have a fondness for it. And one thing I really enjoyed was watching these like very intricately created uh, animatronic uh, faced actors uh, interacting with human beings and kind of being mutant turtles in the real world. And I would love to do kind of a play on that the same way that the Muppets did kind of the, the office take on the Muppets uh, that was on TV a few years back. We did an episode on it early in Geeks Under the Influence history where it was the Muppets doing the Muppet show, but it was behind the scenes and in kind of an office environment. I want to do a similar take to the Ninja Turtles where the turtles themselves are not actors in animatronic suits, but they are in fact mutated turtle people that are just a known quantity in the world. There are warthog people and uh, and weird 
face-brained monsters from alternate dimensions. These are all characters that do exist in the real world and people know it and aren't freaked out by seeing them walking around on the street. So right away, it's not the same universe as the Ninja Turtle cartoon or live action movie universe, because even then people normally weren't used to seeing turtle people walking around. But I would love to see the Ninja Turtles after their popularity uh, for this uh, kit for kids shows and movies and uh, inspiration for cartoons and comic books have moved on with their lives. They're kind of has-beens to a degree and just doing their thing to get by and go, go along in the world. Um, so you see them working their their nine-to-five jobs or what have you, and that's kind of where we're going to dig in. Now, as far as the director for such a interesting take on the Ninja Turtles, uh, Kevin Smith is a clear chance um, or choice for the directing chair for this one. Additionally, and I know that he's used a lot with Smack My Pitch Up, but James Gunn, having done a on-its-head superhero film already with Super and being able to play with the you know the absurdities of comic book characters and put them in a realistic fashion, I think would be an excellent choice for uh, for the directing chair for this uh, this movie. So to lay out the foundation, this has been you know the Ninja Turtles were really popular when they were teenagers, and uh, their backstory was very similar to what was shown in the series. Now the difference was is that they didn't have all these supervillains they fought every week. They were set up with choreographers and uh, and trainers to learn martial arts to, for part of the storyline, but they weren't taught by a rat sensei in the sewers, the martial arts. That was all for the show. Now, of course, Splinter it was a real rat person actor that was part of this whole process, who, they've, who they grew to have kind of appreciation for as a fatherly figure from the years that they worked together. But they didn't live in the sewers. They weren't these, like, mystical mutant creatures that saved the day in the dark, you know, in, in the, from the shadows. Uh, they, they were just mutant turtle people in a world where that's a normal thing. And so maybe 20 years from now, <laughs> if, 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 uh, things keep going the way they're going. And, uh, so years later, they're adults. They're in their, their forties, fifties doing their thing. Um, they're, stopped on the street sometimes just like any kind of like celebrity that was a, a teen actor might be nowadays. Um, and part of the, my thought process with who would play these Ninja Turtles is why not just take the actors that portrayed the Ninja Turtles in the original 90 film uh, and like Corey Feldman and crew to just voice the turtles again. You can get the same kind of animatronics, uh, have them look very similar to their 90s teen version of themselves. Uh, with maybe just a few more wrinkles, a few more pockmarks, uh, definitely aged a little bit. But they're turtles, so they lay the level a really long time. So I had to come up with what all the Ninja Turtles would be doing as middle-aged. Um, and I think kind of their personalities inform that a little bit. First off, you have Leonardo, the uh, quote-unquote leader of the Ninja Turtles. And he was the goody two-shoes. He was the, always the one that really kind of stuck to his guns and did the honorable thing in the Ninja Turtles. And uh, the personalities of the characters they portrayed were definitely kind of an extension of who they were in real life. So Leonardo now has like a, a number of martial arts uh, studios that kids for kids that they come and learn martial arts from him or, you know, his instructors, but it's his Leonardo's ninja school property 
that he he's banking on his previous uh, career as an actor to uh, make a living actually teaching kids how to defend themselves. He's very kid-friendly. He settled down with April O'Neil. They actually got together. They uh, they have a family. They're they're he's very suburban dad, successful martial arts guy vibe going for him. So he's basically incredibly boring now. Um, April is definitely kind of at times missing the adventure of their earlier lives. You know when when they were actors and like going around on tour when the Ninja Turtles had their quote unquote band after uh, their their movies. And, uh, and now everything's just kind of settled in and she's like happy being a mom, but like, there's just not as much adventure anymore. And, uh, then we get to Raphael who definitely got into law enforcement after, uh, after his time, uh, being a, a child actor doing the Ninja Turtles. He is now a detective in, uh, in New York city and working like some pretty rough neighborhoods, some different beats. And he's, uh, very content with his job. He, has a long-term girlfriend that he won't commit to, uh, but she still sticks around for some reason. He uh, drinks a little too much. He smokes a little bit too much. Uh, he's still got that attitude that everybody's come to know from Roth, but it kind of fits with his job. Like he's found his place in the world that it, it's no longer out of place for him to have that kind of attitude. Then we go Michelangelo. Now, Michelangelo, he really tried to continue a solo career musically after the uh, coming out of their shells tour that the Ninja Turtles did uh, trying to start a music career a la the Partridge family style after uh, building on their popularity from the shows and, uh, and movies. And uh, of course that didn't go too well, especially his solo stuff after the, the group split up. He had a couple minor hits, uh, nothing major, but he's just kind of like lived that life. And he is definitely hit a rock bottom at some point where he did way too many drugs, drank way too much, you know, was kind of circling the drain a little bit. And uh, when we come to meet him, he's been clean for five years. He's still kind of recovering from his years of like, of uh, substance and alcohol abuse. He uh, kind of blew through all of his money. He's uh, working some music gigs, uh, you know, working sound for different clubs and trying to get his solo career kind of back on its path again as well. Uh, just kind of getting by and uh, just trying to get himself back to a sturdy place again after so many years of being unstable. So the party dude uh, is really fun when you're in your teens and twenties, but Michelangelo is kind of a conversation about how there is a point in your life where being the party dude isn't quite as charming as it used to be. <laughs> so that that leaves us to Donatello. Now Donatello, he was always the brain of the uh, of the Ninja Turtles, and with the blow up of the dot com boom in the two in two thousand or in the nineties and two thousands, and all the major prog- progress in internet and technology, Donatello was definitely part of that, developing uh, patent after patent for new robotic technologies to go along with. Uh, with internet Wi-Fi use kind of stuff, working with like Boston Dynamics and and the like. And he's done very well for himself. The number of patents that he has that are used regularly in the space program in uh, just day-to-day and also just internet technologies. He has a huge place, a huge home 
with pool and, you know, living very well uh, for himself with his, uh, his wife, no kids to speak of. Uh, they're both busy professionals. She's also a scientist. Uh, and they're just uh, professionals that love th- that their life is their work. And, uh, and they've done very well for themselves. So there is the four Ninja Turtles. Oh, and also we've got Casey Jones, of course, and he is a color commentary sports commentator for ESPN that does a lot of like on location conversations and has been fired from a few different places because of his attitude and getting in fights with players and and such. But uh, he's kind of calmed down a little bit in his years. And then the catalyst for everything kind of moving forward with the Ninja Turtles is Master Splinter. Master Splinter, of course, being much older than the Ninja Turtles. He was old when they were teenagers. He is now much older and is going through some major medical problems. Um, We can name that condition that he needs, you know, some pretty expensive surgery in order to possibly survive it. And that is the beginning of our story with the Ninja Turtles that Leonardo still being involved with martial arts and kind of being the, like the stable guy that doesn't really have a lot of excitement going on is the one that sends regular emails to all the Ninja Turtle family uh, regularly with updates. And he's the first to hear about uh, Splinter uh, not having much longer to live if he doesn't get this operation. So he contacts the Ninja Turtles. He explains what's going on. They decide they need to do something to, raise the money to help Master Splinter out. So they decide to get that they're going to get the team back together, try to do a reunion thing. They're talking about HBO Max and all these other places that have done reunions of, you know, Fresh Prince reunions or, you know, all these old shows that are coming back. And they're thinking about like how they can maybe do like a movie about the not so teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now. And they're really trying to get people to be interested in it. And then there's conversations of who's going to come back to return to, and they really want to focus on the dynamic of the turtles, you know, the, the, the four of them and master splinter. And uh, of course, April O'Neil and Casey Jones, like the good guys basically, but the storyline isn't really including any of the bad guys. So the actors that portrayed uh shredder and, and the alien brain monster that is, you know, was an actor when came to earth from planet X, I think uh, Krang is, he feels like he's been summarily dismissed. A Bebop and Rocksteady are pissed off because they didn't get called for this reunion. And a lot of them are, are struggling. You know, they, they're not getting, uh, they're not making the money that they used to. So they're pretty pissed off that they're being kind of like shoved out of uh, being involved with this Ninja Turtle reunion. And so they, they themselves get together to try to hatch a plan to, uh, to ruin the, uh, reputation of the Ninja Turtles. So here we go. We're at a point where you've got the Turtles and all the villains kind of in the same relationship that they were on the TV shows and uh, movies where they're at odds with each other. There's lots of plotting happening. There's a lot of weird dynamics happening between the, t- the four Turtles as they're discussing, you know, like where their lives are now and, you know, some are trying to cling harder to this like reunion than others. Some just seeing it as helping out Splinter. Some see it as maybe a beginning of something great, you know, something new that they could do. And uh, there's, of course, backlash. There's there's a lot of arguing and uh, and unfinished business that's discussed on you know 
the fact that Michelangelo feels like his, his brothers, you know, they're all brothers, um, abandoned him and he was left trying to pursue his music career alone. They all quit the band. And then he was, he was the only one that never quit the band. So he, he feels like they just didn't give a shit and then left him on his own. And that's why he had trouble reaching out to them when he was going through his hardest times, because he didn't feel like they were there for him before. And Raphael has always been the gruff kind of on his own type of guy. And he has a life that he's very happy with and he doesn't want to do anything else. He's very content. Uh, Leonardo is kind of a wimp now. Like he's been out of the game for so long, even though he has the martial arts studios and stuff, like he's such a goody two shoes that, uh, he has trouble coming to terms with actually fighting back when the bad guys come to like ruin their day. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff happening with all, all of the turtles. Uh, Splinter is just, you know, getting worse and worse as the time goes on. He's just warm and kind and wise and, and really kind of knocks some sense into the boys when they need it. And so a plan is hatched between uh you know shredder comes up with some idea that it's uh, about like ruining their reputation on social media of course krang doesn't think that that's far enough that uh that that's that's too simple and not nearly creative enough so he comes up with some other plans he ends up getting the bebop and rocksteady actors uh who are you know mutants as well uh to kidnap april uh leonardo's wife now uh and use her as a means to force the Ninja Turtles to do certain things that will permanently ruin their reputation. So here we are. There's April O'Neil kidnapped by the bad guys. The Ninja Turtles have to try to figure out a way to rescue her because they aren't even sure that April will be left unharmed if they do what Krang is like asking them to do. So they make a plan. And of course, they aren't actually Ninja Turtles. Like they've learned martial arts, but like besides Leonardo who is kind of a, a wimp now, like doesn't want to do anything that might be illegal. None of the other guys have really been practicing their martial arts. You know, Raphael is maybe the closest to, but he's been a detective where he hasn't had to use martial arts skills. It's not like the movies where, uh, where detectives are, you know, getting in hand-to-hand combat all the time with the, with the suspects. He's, he's a detective that's checking out stuff after it happened. So he's, he's out of it. You know, that, they're not the Ninja Turtles that we've come to know and love. They're older. They're, they're got, they've got their stuff, you know, their, their medical stuff that they got to deal with. They're middle-aged. So they track down where April is. They, you know, a series of uh, gaffes on their part where they're trying to sneak in. They're making too much noise. They accidentally alert security guards that are there that are made to dress like the Foot Clan because fuck it. Why not? Let's just pander. And, uh, and they're really bad at fighting, but somehow they kind of like boondock saint style beat up the bad guys on accident and move forward. And there's a big standoff with Krang uh, and Shredder and, and ends up kind of like begrudgingly fighting the Ninja Turtles. And uh, and he's kind of still in decent shape. He's held up, you know, his his uh, martial arts stuff over the years. Uh, he's doing like he does like conventions and stuff and uh, for his old famous Shredder. And so he has, he sometimes does like, he's even worked with Leonardo in the past of going to his, the dojos and uh, sh- doing like a martial arts thing for the kids and uh, signing autographs and stuff. So it's a weird dynamic now that like Leo and Shredder have ended up kind of working together a little bit since all things have gone down. And now they're at odds with each other, like bad guy and good guy again. And uh, eventually Shredder decides that he can't 
be the bad guy. You know, he he's not really that guy in real life. And they all turn on Krang, who is summoning additional bad guys from his uh, home planet. Sure, fuck it, why not? And uh, so now it's Shredder and the Ninja Turtles teaming up to fight Krang. And uh, he doesn't have like the 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 dude suit that he had in the in the cartoons. Um, and one of the terrible Michael Bay movies, because that's not actually real. They didn't have the technology back then to really build that. So he does have, um, actually robotic technologies that Donatello had developed with Boston dynamics. And it's a weird kind of like spider looking robotic body thing that he's in a little bubble of, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a realistic approach than the chubby dude with the glasses that he was in the stomach of. And uh, he's using technologies that honestly Don- Donatello helped develop to, that uh, to find a portal to his uh, home dimension or dimension X. That's what it is. And uh, they have to basically subdue him and like turn off the portal before, you know, he summons like armies of dimension X dudes into our dimension. And, but they're terrible. They're, they're normal turtles. They're not, uh, they're not actually Ninja Turtles. Uh, but somehow they end up bumbling enough to get it done. And uh, Shredder actually saves one of the turtles. Uh, let, let's say Leonardo, since he has a relationship with him, like dives in front of him, catches a bullet or something like that, and ends up like protecting the Ninja Turtles. And then there's a sweet moment as as Shredder's like dying, that he's being held by like one or two of the turtles. And he's like, you know, like turtle power says like, turtle power and then that gets them all juiced up to fight Krang and then they defeat him and then they decide that you know that they really do need to do something as if you know they are a family they need to stay in touch they need to not just they raise the money the the news comes out that uh that they defeated Krang and there was this whole thing there's video footage of it uh that blows up uh interest in them doing a reunion thing so they end up signing this huge deal it's enough money to save Master Sh- or, or to save Splinter they uh they discuss maybe we need to do something every couple of years just to kind of like not forget this part of our lives and, you know, be in each other's lives more regularly. And then at the end of it, they do like the high five thing that they did at the end of the first Ninja Turtle movie. And uh, there you go. There's heroes in a half shell of the Ninja Turtles as actual mutant turtle people in modern day uh, as middle-aged and kind of settled down after their years as uh, martial arts actors. I think it would be a really fun approach to see them in that light. I uh, think that there's plenty of jokes, um, calls back to the cartoons and the movies that you could do that would be to the delight of all the people that grew up with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, And also it will create opportunity to kind of have a different version of them that can be very nostalgia heavy while they're still the cartoons going on of the Ninja Turtles. There's still the stuff that's kid focused, but if you have this kind of alternate world where they're actors that portrayed Ninja Turtles, it's going to be a lot more fun. So that is my shortlist idea for this, uh, for this week. Tune in next week for a full length episode of uh, smack my pitch up where we do a reboot remake or reimagining. If you like the shortlist, if you don't like the shortlist, please let me know. Hit up the Geeks Under the Influence hotline at 804-505-4484. That's 804-505-4GUI. I'm still playing with this idea of doing the shortlist thing. And if it's something that you 
have some insights to, you want to hear more episodes like this, or you want to hear less, I am definitely interested in hearing that. So please let me know or hit up the Geeks Under the Influence email, geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com. Just put smack my pitch up or pitch smacked in the subject line, or just hit us up on social media. All those links are available at guipodcast.com along with all the information on all the other shows on the network. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that podcast stuff to this show. It helps us, the analytics, it shows us to other people when more people rate, review, and subscribe. So it helps us out a lot. Tell your friends, and uh, we'll find you next time. I'm Mike the Hobbit, and you just got pitch smacked, dude. GUIPodcast.com My name is Amy Bogard. And I'm Mike the Hobbit. And we are the hosts of Deeply Upsetting, where we use our expertise to answer your most upsetting hypothetical quandaries, such as what non-wigged animal deserves wings? And what body part deserves a secret mouth? Which cryptid is the worst roommate? These questions and more that plague you will be answered on Deeply Upsetting, available anywhere you get your podcasts and at GUIPodcast.com. Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. Hey guys, Scotty Big Daddy Preston here. That's right, the Geek Father asking you to join me here every other week with friends and family of the GUI Network as we go through all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So remember, join us or cry.